Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran former law enforcement officer and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well, it's true. It's just plain out and simple true. I'm here. Um, none of y'all invited me to come to your barbecue. None of you invited me to come grill out your backyard. None of you invited me over, so I just figured I'd just come on over here and do this here show. Collision of Faith and Politics with the Ninja Pastor. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm doing today, because none of y'all invited me to your barbecue. So instead of having ribs, beef ribs, and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to just do the show instead. And, and I'll tell you what, it's not. listen, this is nowhere near as good as beef ribs, the show. I mean, I'm doing the show. I'm going to do the show. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. Um, it ain't as good as beef ribs. That's all. I mean, if you're tuning into this show, The Collision of Faith and Politics with the Ninja Pastor, and you're saying to yourself, I hope this is better than beef ribs, I am sorry. That's about all I can say to you. But the thing is, what we don't want to do is we don't want to get into some big fight over it. We don't want to get in some big fight of it. By the way, <laughs> you're right. You're right, my buddy Craig in upstate New York. You're right. Food. Hey, look here. I got a problem here. So if I fade away uh, during the uh, during the show today, yeah, I don't even know if this show will go two hours. Who knows? I always, I never know. Who knows? Um Look, my chair, my office chair here is kind of old. I think it was bought before the crash. I, I want to say more, you know, older than that even. And uh, you know how they have the little thing, little goes up and down, you know. You Look, I'm tall, I'm almost 6'4", so I want to sit up high, you know. I don't want to be all down with my knees all up and my chin. <laughs> and this darn chair, man, it just keeps, hold on. Ugh, it won't do it. It will not stay. So I'm hunting for a good office desk chair type of situation that supports my body. And uh, I've seen ones, uh, I've been in different friends' places and stuff where they have really, really nice ones that are like mesh. And then they even have a head thing goes up behind your head. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hunting down. They probably, they probably have big money, fold-in money, whatnot, will behave you. Uh, I know, it's silly, isn't it? You know I can't help myself. Pray for me. So we're not going to get an argument over the show is not as good 
as beef ribs. I'm acknowledging to you right now, this show will not be as good as beef ribs. What are country ribs, by the way? Somebody just sent me a message. They're not better than country ribs. What are country ribs? Somebody just told me it's it's they don't trim any of the fat off. Man, I don't like that. I don't like that. But you know what I like with ribs, now that we're on this subject, thank you for bringing it up. With my beef ribs, you know what I like? I like tater tots. Go figure that. Although, good mashed potatoes with some butter. Mm, 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 mm. They're white potatoes, though. I'm not really supposed to eat that. But I'm, I'll tell you what I've done. I've cut out the uh, welcome to Steve here. Haven't seen you in a while. Good to have you. Hey, chat is open, folks. It's free of charge, no cost or obligation to you. I uh, The first thing I'm, I've cut out is sh- sugar. And then uh, and then white flour. That's what I'm working on. The white flour Nazis are on me all the time about that. So I gotta I gotta cut that out. But then I guess I gotta get rid of white potatoes. I was reading a thing the other day. It said talk, this has nothing to do with the show today. By the way, I was reading a thing the other day. Uh, mm, I cooked my beef ribs and beer for a couple of hours before they hit the grill. Hmm. Now that. Look, next time I'm up in northeastern Ohio, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm just saying. Hint, hint. So, uh, anyhow, um, I, you know, you can. I, I read this thing. I, I guess I should tell you. I read this thing. I forget where it was. I read it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. It's talking about white potatoes like they're poison. Poison. You know, uh, I was reading all this stuff. And I just didn't understand it. I'm, 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 you know, what are we talking about here? Are we actually talking about white potatoes? And they said, yeah, it's, it's actually poisonous. This whole thing. It was a doctor. Doctor wrote it. So don't, hey, don't kill me, man. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to eat. Um, yeah, not all the beer goes into the ribs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was a little kid, I used to eat, well, I don't know, I shouldn't say when I was a little kid, because I've done it as an adult, and I'm sure it'll gross you all out, but, you know, wash off the potato a little bit under some water, scrub it maybe a little tiny bit, just for looks, and then uh, cut it, you know, and then put a little salt on there, and just eat it raw, just right straight raw. That boy don't don't have no good sense, he don't have no home learning. No, he don't. Mm-hmm. But I liked it. I still like it, but I, I read this thing on the white potatoes, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. This is just Jane right terrible. Anyway, uh, look, we, we disagree on some things, but you know what? We're not going to get in a fight over it. We're just not going to get in a fight over it. Why would we fight over it? We disagree. Big deal. It's no big deal. Nobody's going to get all Twitter pated up on here. You know, you look around the country, and there's there's a whole lot of people angry at a whole lot of people. People are fussing and fighting and angry with each other. And you know, I've never seen a more contentious election season ever in my life. I, honest to goodness, I I never have. Uh, I, I've not experienced it, and I'm I've been closely involved. You know, like really, really closely involved. And so, you know. One of those things, you know, uh, we go through ebbs and flows and all that stuff, and we, um, well, I don't know. 
You know, I'll tell you what, Reagan, uh, when Reagan was elected, that was pretty contentious. That was, that was you know, sincerely contentious. I mean, you know, we're at Carter. Anything in comparison to Carter was really good. He was just so bad. I mean, he was just so bad. Now the numbers, the true numbers are coming out about uh, but Barack, o- Barack Obama. Hey, by the way, let me interrupt myself to interrupt myself to interrupt myself to say this. I, I always forget every week to tell you folks that I'm on LinkedIn. You know that thing, LinkedIn? I have a whole bunch of followers on there. I didn't even know I had that many. Good lands, thousands. Scads, I think. I think that's the one there's all those on there. And uh, so I post stuff on there sometimes. And and uh, we have the Facebook page. And you'll be glad to know my good friend Sean is back from deployment, active duty military firefighter. And uh, he's back from deployment. So, But he's enjoying some R&R and, uh, with his wife, dear wife who we love, and uh, Sean will be cranking it up on the God and Country radio page, so you, that'll, that'll uh, be a whole, new, uh, a whole new deal, just a whole new deal. Uh, he's, he's, he's got so many cool things planned that I'm, I'm really, really excited. I don't know how any of them work, but I just know that he's, he's got them planned, and, and uh, you know, his stuff is good. He, whatever he does, he does well. So uh, anyway, all that said to say this, well, what was I saying? I don't even remember. Uh, but the point is, is look, contentious, Reagan, uh, you know, Malays, Obama, you know, uh, Barack Obama, the real numbers are out. But you know what I have come to learn the truth doesn't matter even a little bit. Data doesn't matter even a little bit. It doesn't. People don't care. The left doesn't care. And I'll tell you, to some degree, neither does the right. Uh-oh. Connection problems with the router. Daggone it. Come on, let's get that fixed. You're a valued listener. we got to have you. I'm telling you, chat is fun. Last week, we had a lot of folks in chat, and it was pretty lively. It was really, really fun. I was catching glimpses of it here and there, and uh, they, folks were cracking me up. So but it's good to have you. Good to have everybody in there. I'm going to confess I'm tired. I just want to take a nap. I just want to lay down and take me a nap. Why are you so tired, Sean? Well, I'll just tell you. Hey, Sean, why are you so tired? That's my real voice. I put on a radio voice. But my real voice is this. Yeah. <laughs> so why are you so tired, Sean? Well, the reason I'm so tired is because I was up until almost two. Yeah. Whew. I was really, really tired. And uh, But I finished off a course, Comparative Beliefs, uh, CB 1500, at Masters International University of Divinity, out in Evansville, Indiana. And let me just tell you this, that course was a toughie. I typed 87 pages and 17,000, even, 17,000 even literally one seven zero 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 words that was in that. So the next course coming up is going to be more than that. It's going to be uh, almost double thirty thousand. And um, oof, a lot of reading, a lot of writing. But I, it's a good thing I like it. But I was it was toward the end of that course. Uh, somebody just sent me a message. So what is that for? It's for another doctorate. It will be uh, that that whole coursework will be for. Um, 
a doctorate in ministry. I originally was going to pursue a doctorate of divinity, and normally a doctorate of divinity, I, I you know, I have a doctorate in theology, but um, and a master's in theology, but a doctorate in, of divinity is usually an honorary degree. But my school, uh, they don't give out honorary degrees, so um, it's an earned degree. And and but but I really was interested in the doctorate uh, of ministry because I want to have the theology, you know, the really the egghead stuff, uh, Bible geek and all that, uh, that round or that part of it covered. But then I also wanted to have the practical, the ministry stuff covered. But everything I do, just so you know, everything I do is from a uh, Hebrew worldview perspective. And so that's why I like that. I like doing it that way. Um, For me, it's it's a, it's a, I just, I like it. I, it resonates with me. So you don't have to, but if you've ever listened to me preach, um, you and if you've ever come out to one of our events that we, like we're going to be speaking in Georgia, and um, actually I'll have a, a thing coming up in Delaware for the Delaware listeners. Very rarely ever speak in Delaware, but I had uh, last month I had an event in Delaware. I spoke, and then I'm going to be speaking at the 912. I think it's the 912 Patriots. Um, I may. 12th, I think it is, and I don't have the time. It'll be on the website and everything uh, when it, it's locked down, but May 12th at Arena's, Arena's Restaurant in Milford, Delaware. And let me say this. I wonder if they have ribs. And you know I'm the type of guy I would eat ribs before I'm supposed to speak, and every time I open my mouth, you know, the rib meat, the beef meat be all up in my teeth, you know, it's be Somebody says gross. Well, you know, I'm just trying to give you an accurate picture. So yeah, man, I'm all up, all up, all up in it. Thank you, Steve. And Chad, I'm telling you, Chad is awesome. It's a very encouraging place. Um, so anyway, so the point is, I was up really super late. I just wanted to finish and uh, turn that all in today. And and so uh, they'll be grading that, and they'll probably kick me out of school. All that, you know, you know how it goes. I mean, I'm barely making it anyway. I'm just teasing. I get less than an A, man. I'm sick to my stomach, whining, crying, all that stuff. <clears throat> anyway, so I'm tired. So if I yawn, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've got to go to my safe space. i got to find a safe space. Where my guns are, that's usually a very safe space for me. Uh, speaking of guns, by the way, in the state of Delaware, you folks, I mentioned Delaware earlier. I'm going to be speaking in Delaware. May 12th. I hope, hope I'm saying the right day, I think. I think that's what the day it is. It's a Thursday, Thursday evening. I'm going to be speaking at Arenas in Milford, Delaware. Anyway, all that said to say this, well, I don't even know what I was going to say. You know what just popped into my head? Um, talking about corn on the cob. My buddy Steve out in Ohio. Corn on the cob. You know, corn apparently is something that's really bad for you now. First, it's the mashed potatoes, which I don't understand that at all. That's that's serious. That's serious love food right there. Mashed potatoes, you drag your food through it, put your butter in there, bake a little puddle. You know, you make a little pool for your butter, and then you drag the whatever meat through there. But I like corn, butter corn, put it in there. And that's good stuff. But apparently now corn is not good either. What am I going to eat? Air? That's not clean. My brother's hungry. I just want to eat something good. 
That's all. I just want to eat something good. Anyway, we don't want to get in a fight over food, you know, because people fight, Christians especially. They fight over stuff. They argue over everything. I don't know why. I don't know why. I am a Christian. I'm a, well, I'm not, you know, people, I don't use the term Christian. I use the term follower of the way, um, which Christians uh, originally was a pejorative, by the way. Pejorative. And uh, so, but they were, Christians were called followers of the way. And all that said to say this, that as a Christian, I've been in disagreements with people before, too. But you know what you can't do? You cannot make people agree with you. Uh, somebody said last night, I think maybe it's my buddy Craig on chat. He, uh, you know, I was delivering a message last night, very similar to this message. And uh, but mu- this one's going to be much more elaborated. And I ran out of time. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what I do. Five pages. I had five more hours of material to preach last night. I preach only for an hour, no commercials on Sundays. And uh, we do a broadcast from 530 to 630. And I don't know why every week I go there with, you know, five hours worth of material. And I try to shove it into that little bitty hour. I don't know why I do it. And I used to do a lot of I tell you what, I used to do a lot of uh, series I like to preach in series. I like to tell more. That's. Uh, I'm going to interrupt myself again. I love it. I'm not a real, you know, guest. I don't have a lot of guests. I don't have. A, this is not a call-in show. If I have a really great caller, you know, and you have something really good to say, and you're willing to disclose to me before you come on the air what it is, uh, great. You know, I'm all for that. But that's just not typically the framework of my show. Well, uh, I also don't have a ton of guests, but. But when I do, um, I like to give them time. So if I'm booking a guest on the show or I know somebody's doing something that I think the world needs to know about, I say, look, you're not going to be interviewed for six minutes, five minutes, four minutes, whatever, unless that's all you got to say. And then, boom, we'll get on and get off. Um, but uh, what we will do instead is we will have, you know, you plan on being here for an hour, 40 minutes, an hour. If you want to be on here for an hour and a half, be on here for an hour and a half. You've got a lot to say, uh, and it's worth hearing. It's important. Let's do it. Do it. Let's let's get her done, and then you can elaborate. I, I like that. I don't like uh, – listen, this is going to shock you, by the way, but our Sunday Kehala, we've we've done sermons that were two hours and five minutes long. Somebody going to testify. If Jerry from Pennsylvania was, was on here, you'd see that um, – He'd 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 jump right on there and say, "Yep, it's two hours." And and uh, there's Jerry right now. And uh, but he can tell you, I've preached for two hours, and you know everybody wasn't getting up and leaving and all that stuff. It's just not that I'm some great preacher. That's not what I'm saying. But but there are people out there who they like to go a little deeper. They don't want to be all on the surface all the time. A little bit of surface, a little bit of you know basic is okay for a little bit, but. You got to go deep and you got to, you know, sometimes it's uh, it's one of those things that you really, really, really got to work on. But for me personally, I've never struggled with a lack of material. Um, but I've cut my messages down now on Sundays to be, unless I'm preaching somewhere else and I'm doing a, a, a um, conference or something like that. But uh, for the most part, I just, I do an hour and that's that. And some places you go, they say, look, you know, you're going to have 22 minutes and 31 seconds to preach. Don't go over. I'll be like, man, I can't even introduce my. I cannot talk about food 
in that quick a time. I just can't do it. It's, it's, it's too fast. So like I can say today, though, I don't know uh, if I'm up to doing a whole two hours, but we'll just see. Um, I wanted to tell you, and I shared this last night, and boy, you wouldn't believe. Oh, thank you, Jerry. Jerry says, even in my damaged brain, you're ahead of 99% of America, maybe more. That's very nice, Jerry. Thank you very much. He's very kind. What a great friend. Um, however, uh, somebody just sent me a message. What's he mean, damaged brain? Uh, it means I have brain damage. I've been, I'm, I'm, brain, I'm, I'm drain damaged. Heard somebody say that one time. Cracked me up. I didn't even figure it out. And that's before I even had brain damage. But anyway, I was in a bad crash and hit my head on a car going 92 miles per hour, and that was that. So, but I'm here. So last night I shared, I shared uh, during a, a church service the the lyrics to a Chris Stapleton. I don't know if any of you out there listen to Chris Stapleton or listen to country. I mean, he's country, blues, rocky sort of thing. He is awesome. I mean, you know, I'm a country fan. I, I'm a, I'm a, the only music I really can't like is rap. And I, I can't even really like, I don't really, really like rap. Um, I can't really call it music, to be very honest with you. Uh, I have sur- heard some Lecrae that I thought was pretty good uh christian rap but uh all in all i just don't like it the it just doesn't seem like music to me but i like the blues i like joe bonamassa uh i really like chris stapleton um just good good music really good music excellent musicians and i love excellent lyrics and you know country songs they tell stories well, this one song is very, very popular. He mopped up at all the awards. I mean, he's just he won another award last night, and he was out on, on the road, so he, he had to accept it from the road. But, um, but Chris Stapleton wrote, has been writing music a long time for a lot of country stars. And then, you know, they would say, well, how do you, what's your vision for this song? And he would sing it for them, and, he, and, and they would say, man, you need to record albums, man. What are you doing? You need to record albums. You're, you're like an awesome singer. And he was mostly a guitar player and, and songwriter. But uh, but he, I'm telling you right now, this boy can sing. But I'm not going to try to emulate his singing because he's way better. But I like the old school stuff. It's called Nobody to Blame. She took down the photograph of our wedding day, ripped it down the middle, and threw my half away. And I got nobody to blame but me. I got nobody to blame but me. She broke all my fishing rods, put my guns in hock threw my clothes out in the yard, and changed out all the locks. And I got nobody to blame but me. I got nobody to blame but me. I know right where I went wrong. I know just what got her gone. Turned my life into this country song, and I got nobody to blame but me. I got nobody to blame but me. She fired up my old hot rod, ran it into the pond. Put sugar in my John Deere. Now I can't even mow my lawn. And I got nobody to blame but me. I got nobody to blame but me. She built her a bonfire with my old six string. Took all my good whiskey and poured it down the drain. And I ain't got nobody to blame but me. I got nobody to blame but me. You know, he, he, he admits where he went wrong. Now, we don't ever hear... We don't ever hear, hey, welcome to Philly Bob. Thank you for joining us, brother. Uh, the, the, the funny thing is we don't ever hear what it is he did. People, 
they just it doesn't even somebody just sent me a message uh remind me to talk about hebrew worldviews some folks are saying hey we don't know what that means um i'll explain it but we well i'll explain it now because i'll i'll forget this is what we call a bad brain day <laughs> hard for me to hold on to my own name today um to so today I will explain what Hebrew worldview is, and then I'll explain it again and again and again because, to tell you the truth, uh, it's so complex. But Hebrew worldview is going all the way back. You know, of course, the the Bible, the majority of the Bible, uh, the early events, uh, the middle events, uh, occurred in the Middle East, and so uh, Hebrew worldview is kind of a euphemism for uh, Jewish thought, Jew- a Hebrew way of thinking. And it's a culture, if you ever thought about it. Uh, yeah, some people said the Hebrew worldview is a way of getting things for for cheap. <laughs> wow, you know, that is part of it. You know, uh, any any good Jewish person will tell you, hey, you pay retail, you're a sucker. You just got took. Uh, but, but the thing is, is um, what the Hebrew worldview is, is really a mindset. It is an ideology of living a certain way, very community-oriented, very, very community-oriented, very important to remember that you know these communities, uh, especially in Bible times, and we're, we're in Bible times. I hate using that term. I hate when I do it. Uh, but, but especially in uh, biblical times, you know, those communities were – they didn't have to have a whole bunch of police. They didn't have to have a whole bunch of mess like that. And the reason they didn't have to do it, uh, didn't have to have that, was because they policed themselves. They were, they were, they paid attention to what happened in their community. You mess around and mess up in that community, you're going to have a problem. You are absolutely going to have a problem. And so uh, they, they just they took care of. Their business, and Jerry puts it very succinctly. Um, Hebrew worldview is the original worldview, uh, and I and I, you know, originally I was going to do a doctoral thesis on why did God choose to reveal Himself through the Hebrew people, and uh, language has a lot to do with it. Uh, culture and worldview has a lot to do with it. Uh, but what you know, he could Jesus could he didn't even have to be sent to Earth as a as a baby, he could have been sent to earth as, as a grown man. He could just appear, you know. And so, but he chose. I mean, he chose to do all of that from the Hebrew perspective. And it's pretty powerful. And, and Jerry says this very wisely. We will all eventually speak Hebrew. I don't know what language you think we're going to speak uh, in heaven, but the language of God is Hebrew. So, anyway. So, you might be asking yourself, now, I just want to know why he wanted me to hear the words to that country song. Last night, a, a lot of people uh, left messages on my uh, on my website and my email and stuff because they said, "Well, a pastor, a real pastor, would never uh, glorify the whole take all my good whiskey and pour it down the drain." Um, well, there's there's a part of that that you have to understand is you know whiskey uh, whiskey came from a came from a preacher, an actual preacher. Uh, he was a young preacher, but it's he made it all natural. So anyway, I'm not advocating it one way or the other. I'm just saying, don't get all Twitter paid and get in an argument with me. Did not want to be my friend because I recite a country song. You know, I'm making a point here. So 
I got nobody to blame but me. You know why a lot of times people get in arguments? I'll tell you why. Because they aren't really sure what they believe. I think more arguments come from people uh, that are they, – they don't really know what they're doing. They don't know what they're thinking. They don't know their place. They don't know their stand. They don't know what they're resolved to. They don't know what they'd be willing to get their butt kicked or even lose their life to defend. They, they just don't know. They're not solid on that. Then there's that other person who just doesn't listen. They don't listen, they don't read, they don't educate themselves, so what happens? They fall for everything. You know, I, I talked last week, I think it was last week, I talked about clickbait. And in our Q&A, after, on Sundays when we have our, our Sunday uh, Kehala, we do clickbait, or clickbait, we do Q&A. And in Q&A, I got a lot of questions about clickbait. What is clickbait? And, you know, I use the example of they'll have a picture of uh, – Tim Tebow, and it'll say like, click like if you like Tim Tebow, you know, click like if you like beef ribs, you know, whatever. Well, and it turns out it has nothing to do, ever, nothing whatsoever to do with Tim Tebow or beef ribs or whatever the, the topic is. It's just fake. It's really, really, really fake. And all it's designed to do is to get you to click on it because they get paid for every click. They don't care where the clicks come from. They just get paid per click. That is all that matters to them. Know what I mean? So, you know, I just want to say um, you can get suckered into stuff. And your best, um, your best bet is to really be judicious when you click on stuff on social media. Anyway, so I got nobody to blame but me. I got nobody to blame but me. This guy is saying, oh, we don't know what he did wrong. He, had, he didn't disclose that to us, but we know he is taking responsibility. This this character in Chris Stapleton's song, really super hit, nobody to blame. Um, I, I'm telling you, he's just threw himself on the sword, and maybe it doesn't matter what he did wrong. Maybe it doesn't matter what he did wrong. Maybe, maybe where he went wrong doesn't matter, but you know what he had. He had a disagreement. He had a serious disagreement with uh, his love, his love wife, and they disagreed. And as such, they are in civil disagreement. But maybe, let me say this, it ain't so civil when they throw your old six-string guitar. Country fella, man, country folk, you throw their guitar, or I should say their guitar, you throw their guitar on a bonfire. You make a bonfire out of the guitar, and then you put the whiskey, pour it down the drain. That's serious business. You put sugar in the John Deere tractor, uh, you know, drive his old hot rod in the in the pond. Come on now, that's serious business. That's not civil anymore. The disagreement is not civil anymore. Welcome, folks, to chat, by the way. Chat room is open. I appreciate you joining us. It's a lot of fun. You know, it. It's uh, it, there's some vibrant stuff going on over there. Yeah, we don't know what happened to the dog. By the way, thank you, Jerry, from Pennsylvania. We do not know what happened to the dog in this. There's no mention of the dog, but we know he had a dog. We know he had a dog. So hopefully, you know, the dog's okay, because you know me and dogs, we're, we're pretty close. Uh, okay, so civil disagreement. They didn't have a civil disagreement. It broke down. You start throwing guitars on the, the bonfire, pouring the whiskey down the drain, driving the truck into the driving the hot rod into the pond and ruining his John Deere lawn tractor, well, we are no longer civil. 
But I want to say this to you, and maybe this is foreign to you. I, I don't know, and I don't want to assume. But why do Christians believe we should never disagree with one another? I've, I've gotten to speak in lots of churches all across the country, and, and, I, and I'll tell you today, I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> oh, you never know what you're going to see in, uh, in, in chat. You just never do know. Um, so what I'm saying to you is I, I've been in churches where there's this sort of fake, weird, um, a very weird sort of vibe in the church. Very, very weird. Nobody wants to say anything that anybody's going to disagree with. The pastor, he, you know, he doesn't want to say anything um, that somebody's going to disagree with him and going to offend anybody. And there's other people in the church they don't want to, they don't want to say anything that is in some way uh, disagreeable and it's going to cause a disagreement, civil or otherwise. I mean, I've been there. It's it's strange. It's just an odd, odd thing. It's an odd bird sort of thing. But I'll I'll say this, you know, those churches. They freak me out. You ever been to a family gathering? You're not in the family, but you got invited to go to some family gathering, or somehow or another you ended up there because you smelled beef ribs cooking, and you figured I'd just stop in and act like I know these folks. So, yeah, Steve says, if you play a country song backwards, you know what you get? Get your wife back. Get your truck back. Get your old dog back. Amen. So so let's say you, you smell beef ribs cooking and, and uh, you went into this house and you look around. These folks, they don't disagree with each other at all. They're, there's no disagreement whatsoever. They don't, there's not even any friction. There's not even any friction. There's, there's nothing. It just, it's just sort of, you know, everybody's being nice, but you can tell it's fake. Well, for whatever reason, people think that Christians should never disagree. We, we just always should be happy, happy, happy. Well, you know. Uh, we should be, but we're not. We have disagreements. You know, biblical times, they had that too. Knock down, drag out fights. You know, all these things. You know, we talk about we talk about our country. Our country is obviously in great peril. But um, the interesting thing is, is people, you know, they, they look back and they say, oh, for the days, you know, of our founders. Well, I've got a newsflash for you. There was fist fights. There was, there was guns being drawn, guns being shot. Folks were taking some lead. You know, there were some really, really serious fights going on, but it was about the country. It was to save the country. It was never, you know, I, I want to be a bo- girl today. I want to go into, you know, the girls' bathroom today. I'm a boy, but I want to go. To the- this is who I am. You know, um, there was none of that, but there was there was other things. You know, and and so they 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 were fighting. They were strong. Yeah, no disagreement. Thank you, Greg. We have a new guy in. Um, in chat, his name is Greg. We're glad to have you. No disagreement equals no boundaries. Amen. Let me just say this. The ice cream truck is going by my studio right now. I'm going to tell you right now, ice cream trucks freak me out. I, I'm suspicious of them. No offense to the ice cream truck people, but they I just think they're strange. I, I grew up in the country. We didn't have ice cream trucks. And, uh, you know, that was for the rich folk in the city. And so we... I always look kind of sideways at, at, at ice cream trucks. I'm just saying, and I know he doesn't have any beef ribs on there. Got pictures of faces with ice cream cones for hats. That's just weird. That, that's weird. That and clowns. I'm telling you right now, clowns freak me out. So anyhow, so you go to a church, and, and they, don't, they, don't, they don't have discussions. They don't talk about real stuff. They talk around it. Well, when do people 
people, places like that, families like that, when do they have the real discussion? When do they do the real talk? They do it when behind the other people's back, and that's just not safe. You know, you can disagree. Look, people just simply don't get along sometimes. Whether we're of like faith or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we are, we're in agreement, as some people say. Uh, it doesn't matter. That, that simply doesn't matter. The whole being of like faith, you're still going to disagree. Right? The, the, the disciples actually disagreed. It's, it's not something that we're going to always get along. Well, I go along to get along. Well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. You know, you've all heard those things. But usually you're not actually agreeing to disagree, by the way. There's usually more to it than that. So the key here is we're going to disagree at times, and sometimes we disagree about really important things. I mentioned the founders a couple minutes ago. The founders disagreed about a lot of really super important things. And it was important enough to not only disagree, but really, really throw down on it. The question is, how do we civilly disagree? What are the stakes of a fracture in Christians? Hey, if we want to go that far, let's go even farther. What are the stakes of a fracture in conservatives? Oh, I don't know, not much. Only the republic, only losing the republic instead of keeping the republic. Instead of keeping the republic, we lose it. We're the ones that lost it. Oh, it's only our, what's, what's the stakes of a fracture in conservatism? Oh, it's only our freedom and liberty for our country. It's no big deal. How do we get this way? How do we fix it? You know, I, I wrote a book, uh, I guess about three years ago. I wrote a book called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And it's an extremely controversial book, as Mr. Barker, thank you to Mr. Barker for announcing me. Um, it, it's an extremely controversial book, and I always tell folks when I hand it to them, I say, look, this book is either for you or it's about you. And I'm not going to make like it's, excuse me. I'm not going to make like it's some sort of literary, uh, great literary achievement, because it's not. I'm not going to kid you on that. Um, I did the best I could, you know, given the circumstances. The books I'm working on now are way better. But you won't really understand me if you don't read that book. That book is an important book to read from the standpoint of the other stuff that I do. And uh, it's a very short book, but let me tell you, it really, I, I didn't waste any time. I got right to the point, and I hammered it down. Because that's what I like to do. Because time is short. These are barefoot in the snow days. These are sincerely barefoot in the snow days. So we got to figure out how do we get here and how do we fix it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I in the book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, it's at theninjapastor.com, theninjapastor.com. Go over to books uh, or whatever it's called on there. You go over to that, click on that. It'll have a link. If you're an Amazon person, I'm on Amazon. If you buy the book on Amazon, you read it and you like it, leave a review. If it totally and completely sucks uh, to you, leave a review there too. That'll help me with my next book. But send me an email too. My email's in there. Tell me what you hated about it. I'd love to love to hear that. I love to hear that. People tell me that. But in that book, I really I nail it down. Political correctness, uh, the whole Alinsky. It's it's just um, it's just 
so far gone. The, the, the way we think is just so far gone. It's, it's just kind of nutty a little bit. And I outline the different ways, you know, and, and get the book. It'll be, it'll be worth it. Uh, by the way, if you're a Kindle reader, I make four cents, by the way, four cents. Every Kindle book that is sold, uh, I make four cents. You're welcome. I'm building a mansion even as we speak on four cents. I only need 255 million more people to buy my Kindle book, and I will be able to get a sandwich. If Listen, don't ever fall for the whole thing about, um, well, I'm going to write a book and get wealthy. It's not going to happen. One of the people in chat wrote a book, Greg Fisher, um, How the Church Became Relevant and Lost Its Prophetic Calling in the Process. Man, I'm going to check that out. Maybe we'll do a book swap. I'll, I'll send you mine. You send me yours. I don't know if you might even have mine. So anyway, you know, so then how do we fix it? I mean, I, it's only a two-hour show, and we only have an hour and 18 minutes left. So how do we fix it? I think we need to focus on that. Well, what does God have to say? Um, you, you know, I, I think that's always the best case, place to go. First Corinthians 6 is a really cool passage. I'm going to read some of it, and some of it's, you know, you, you might not think is relevant, but, you know, we'll we'll walk through that. Um, it'll be, it'll make sense. It will make sense. Um, I'll just read it to you. It's complete Jewish Bible, by the way, uh, is what I'm, the, the translation I'm reading. And for those of you who are wondering, the chair has fallen again, the little shock thing. in it. I just, I don't know what the deal is. I guess after a while, it just it gives up. I don't know. So anyway, first Corinthians six, how dare one of you with a complaint against another go to court before pagan judges and not before God's people. Don't you know that God's people are going to judge the universe? Well, hold on. Let me just stop there. Let me just stop there for a second. Uh, how dare one of you go with a complaint? This was a problem. They were taking each other back and forth to court, and it was just it was a mess. It was just out of control at the time of this writing. And see, Christians are followers of the way. We're not supposed to take each other to court. Jews are not supposed to take each other to court. You're supposed to handle your business. It says right here, you go to court before pagan judges. The, you know, the Romans were the judges, and and you know they don't their their worldview. They don't have a Hebrew worldview. They have a, a hedonistic worldview, but not a a, a Hebrew worldview. So you're going before pagan judges, and you're not going before God's people. So how could they ever understand it? Don't you know that God's people are going to judge the universe? This is what Scripture says that we're going to do. I mean, you know, you can be all you know, quiet and mellow and, uh, you know, easygoing and never disagree with anything anybody ever says. But I've got to tell you, man, I, I've just got to tell you, um, if you if you never disagree with anything, I don't know that you're standing for anything. I mean, at some point or another, you're going to disagree. Well, the Scripture tells us we're going to judge the universe. And so a lot of times people will say, well, you know, that was for that time, but not for now, because we have a much more democratic society, and no, we don't. No, we don't. You're, you're living in a dreamland if you think that's the case. It's absolutely not the case. So if you're going to judge the universe, are you incompetent to judge these minor matters? So the author here says, look, so you're, you know, God's people are going to judge the universe, yet you can't even handle this minor thing? You have a disagreement, and you can't handle that? Well, you've got to be kidding me. Don't you know that we will judge angels, not to mention affairs of everyday life? So if you require judgments about matters of everyday life, 
Why do you put them in front of men who have no standing in the Messianic community? Now, remember I talked about Hebrew worldview and community. Man, Hebrew neighborhoods, Hebrew communities, very, 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 very tight. Very, very tight. And they handled their own business. Like I said, they just didn't mess around. It was just something that they did, and things went better that way. They just went better. They managed their own business. They didn't keep running outside the community to the, to the Romans to manage things. And, and the bottom line is, the bottom line is, is they did a better job. Look, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of the uh, Center for Self-Governance. And by the way, by the way, before I forget, we just found out, uh, Jerry wants to know where, where do I find my book? You can find it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, anywhere, any electronic bookseller. You can find it at, um, I'd say the best place really to, to get it, the easiest way is to go to TheNinjaPastor.com, TheNinjaPastor.com, or DrSeanGreener.com. You click on the book thing and uh, go there. And then maybe if Greg uh, logs back on, he can tell us how to get his book. Um, so, hey, 600,000 people. Hey, Greg, maybe we sell some books today. Um, I don't know, Greg, I don't think. Uh, but name does sound a little bit familiar, but I like the sound of his book title. So, anyway, so in this community, you're, you're going to go before, uh, you're going to go outside the Messianic community to put these minor affairs of everyday life? Come on, man up. You know, don't go don't go running off trying to find your safe space. You know, that's not that's not what you that's what you, you handle your business. I mean, that's the Sean paraphrase right there. Handle your business. So scripture goes on to say goes on to read. I say shame on you. Can it be that there isn't one person among you wise enough to be able to settle a dispute between brothers? Instead, a brother brings a lawsuit against another brother, and that before unbelievers. Look, he says it so much better than me. That's why he's a Bible writer. Um, I have to tell you, you don't get any plainer than this. So there's nobody in your group of people, nobody in your community, that is smart enough and wise enough, got a level enough head, to be able to settle a dispute between brothers. You've got to be kidding me. That's not in there, but I'm adding that for emphasis. You've got to be kidding me. Now now the millennials, this is what they do now. Seriously? Seriously? We say that all the time. Good old water. So you know, he's very, very clear here that this is this is this is not good. Shame on you, he says. I love that. I love that. Call it like it is, man. So he says, actually, if you're bringing lawsuits against each other, it is already a defeat for you. Now, I want to say this really quick, because the reason it's already to defeat us, oh, here come those Christians again, fighting, fussing and fighting. You know how they are. Woo! They fuss and fight, fight and fuss. Can't get along, those Christians. I'm glad I'm not a Christian. My goodness, the way they come in this courtroom fighting and fussing over buttons and who got what. It's a shame. It's a terrible shame. It's already a defeat for you, Scripture reads. Why not rather be wronged? Hey, you know what? I'd rather rather be happy than 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 right. I'd rather be happy than right. I don't need to be right. I don't need to be right. Sometimes I just 
you know, I know the right answer, but I'm not going to fight with you. It's not worth it. It's not, it's not worth it. Sometimes I regret it. Sometimes I bring it up. And, uh, you know, a disagreement or whatever. And I have to say, poof. You know, you do what you wish you never brought it up. So sometimes it's just best. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. Sometimes you just say, you know what? Here's the deal. Here is the deal. You know, (laughs) I like that. Steve says, you don't pray for God to feed you. You sow your crops and pray for rain. Amen. That's just practical living. It doesn't seem that crazy to me. People say, but the Bible is so complex. The Bible is so complex. No, it's not. It's really quite simple. I mean, this is pretty simple. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Oh, you cheat me. Oh, all right, whatever. So sometimes it's not worth it. Now, I am the proponent of the, the hashtag decide, resolve, stand. There are some things that you just, look, you, you've got to stay in the fight, man. You can't, you can't back out of it. You've got to stay in the fight. You can't walk away. You've got to stay in the fight. It's too important. And sometimes it's a lost cause. You say, well, God bless you, and you mean it. You pray for him. I'll pray for you. That's just what you have to do. It's just what you have to do. Don't you know that unrighteous people will have no share in the kingdom of God? Man, that's strong, y'all. That is strong. Look, these people who we're going to, we're constantly running for the world, wondering why they don't like us, wondering why they think we're crazy. Now, I don't care if they think I'm crazy. As a, as a follower of the way, I don't care. You know, if I happened to be in one of those uh, faiths that required me to wear a certain type of uh, certain type of clothing, um, you know, a certain t- beard or or whatever, um, I I have to say, you know, you you wear it proudly. You just say, "This is who I am." The people want to make fun of me; they make fun of me. They just make fun of me. And the the fact of the matter is 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 sometimes they're gonna they're gonna look at you and think you're stupid. They're they're gonna throw rocks at you metaphorically. Throwing rocks, uh, literally, they're gonna have a problem with me because I'm gonna give them I'm gonna throw lead back at them at a high rate of speed. Oh, I'll warn them, but you know, warning's gonna be quick and quiet. So the fact of the matter is, is, is this. Sometimes you just have to consider the source. You know, I remember hearing that when I was a kid. Well, just consider the source. You figure, well, they're dumb. They're, 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 they, they've chosen to be ignorant on a certain matter. You're not going to convince them, so move on. You don't agree to disagree. You just say, it's not worth my effort. I do that on social media now. Uh, I, I put a post out. I deleted a whole lot of people today because they're posting really just sickening things. People that would have never, ever, ever, ever have posted these things just a, a not that long ago now are posting things that I think, oh, man, I would never want my name associated with that. Anyway, the point of the matter is, and one of my friends in chat, he, he has um, him and I've got another friend who actually said, look, I'm, I'm done with social media. 
And actually, I've got another friend, a dear friend, who I dearly, dearly love, who has withdrawn from all news. Uh, she has said, look, you know, I'm going to, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm full up. You know, I'm full up. Till after this election, I'm just full up. So, so what do you do? You know, you just, sometimes you just have to walk away. Sometimes you just have to walk away. You just have to say, you know what? Sometimes I just can't. I'm not going to convince people. So what do we learn from this? I mean, I didn't read the whole thing, but um, I would encourage you to read it. It's excellent, excellent. Uh, it talks about homosexuality, active or passive homosexuality, by the way. And people say, well, it doesn't say anything in the Bible about that. Well, let me just don't delude yourselves. People who engage in sex before marriage, who worship idols, who engage in sex after marriage with someone other than their spouse, who engage in active or passive homosexuality, who steal, who are greedy, who get drunk, who assail people with contemptuous language, who rob. None of them will share in the kingdom of God. Some of you used to do these things. And then it goes on to say, then you cleanse yourself and you've been set apart for God. You've become counted righteous through the power of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Anyway, the point the point of this matter is it's a very, very good book, and it says things that people say, well, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. First Corinthians, very, very practical book. Um, I did a, a doctoral level uh, course before comparative beliefs on First and Second Corinthians, and then I decided, well, I'm going to do a uh, sermon series on it. So if you want to um, if you want to listen to that. It's free of charge. Just go to the ninja the ninjapastor dot com, and uh, I'm on iTunes and all those different places. But uh, that'll all the right links and everything are there. It's very very simple. So, you know, First Corinthians doesn't really say a whole lot about doctrine, but it deals with real life, real life that we lead here on earth every single day. This is how we live. This is where we live. You know, my buddy Craig says life gets nice again. He he withdrew from social media. Life got nice again. I don't blame him. You ever see these memes that go around with the uh, my buddy Bob? He was a great great uh, firearms instructor and range officer, and I think he was a canine officer too. Uh, when I was a police officer, he he's really into camping and uh, you know all those stuff and and all those things. And he, I thought it was really interesting. Once I started seeing some of his posts, uh, because there are always these cabins in the woods and uh, on a lake, man, I want to I want to go there, and uh, you know I see it and I just I just think, man, that's life, that's living. And then there's, sometimes there's this little statement underneath, you know, would you live here for a year without cell phone, internet, television? For a year, would you live here for a year for free? You're going to live here for free. And at the end of the year, we're going to give you a million dollars. Let me think about it. Sold. I'm I'm down with it. I'm there. Because I see hunting. I see archery. I see uh, writing another book. You know, I see fishing, being out on the water, photography, all these things. You know. All of these things. I mean, and I and I think that's living. That's living. I mean that that is I there's no problem. No problem. No problem. I do it in a heartbeat. 
It's not even a challenge for me. I say, man, that's that's where I want to go. But real life is there's a lot of stuff around us. We choose. We say, I don't hear from God. Um, I have to tell you, I, uh, I I just have to say, you know, I don't hear from God. But you know, turn off turn off your social media. Turn off your turn off all that stuff. I'm pot calling the kettle black. I'll tell you that because you know because of what I do. I'm on social media a lot. I'm I'm on you know my Facebook and my you know, blog and all that stuff and doing all kinds of other stuff. But the point is, is that sometimes you just have to hit disconnect. You have to hit the eject button. You just have to do it. I don't knock people that do it. But you know, uh, in this passage, and I think you'll find this to be true, if you've never, if you've never read 1 Corinthians 6, I think it'd be a great passage for you to read if you're, if you're a follower of the way, a Christian meets the Christian in his day-to-day relationship with other believers. Look, this is we're we're living with everybody else's hurts, habits, and hang-ups. They're living with ours. They are living with ours. They're having to deal with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We're having to deal with with theirs, and they're having to deal with us. We forget about that. We forget about that. You know, we're having to deal with theirs, but they're having to deal with ours. One way or another, hurts, habits, and hang-ups, peccadillos. People got stuff, man. People got stuff. We have to look at how we get along with other Christians. If we're followers of the way, if we're Christians, uh, we have to just we have to figure it out. How do we get along with other Christians? How do we, you know, how do how do we we uh, Jews get along with other Jews and other Christians? How do we Christians get along with other Christians and Jews? You know, all these different things. I mean, come on. How do we do it? Look, I, I would say this. Look, I, I'll take it another step further, just for fun. Not only other Christians, not how do we get along with other Christians, not only how do we get along with other Christians, but we have to, and I would even say, maybe even more closely, look at how we get along with other Christians who don't agree with us, who we don't agree with them. We just don't even agree. So what do we fight about? I know you're thinking. What, morality? Look, I think it's immoral uh, to kill babies. I just, I really do. I think it's immoral. I, I can't imagine how society does it. I just, uh, I, you know, I, it just blows my mind how our society, we're not the first society, by the way, to do it. You know, I talked about Bible times. You look, the Romans—they killed babies left and right. I mean, it was—it was horrible. I'm just not that guy. I just—I don't believe in it. I say, well, you wait till you get pregnant, and you'll see. If you were a woman, you'd see. Well, you know, I, we're going to disagree on that. And I—and I, you know, I fight against abortion. Look, I'm not going to—I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to—I'm not going to call you names. I'm not going to treat you poorly. I'm not going to do any of those. In fact, I'll defend your life. But am I going to defend your right to have an abortion? Absolutely not. Am I going to say that, you know, well, that's the law and we're just we just got to accept it how it is. That's just how it is. No, I will not. It's 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 a horrible thing. It's murder. You know, that is what it is. So moral things. Moral things. How about malice? 
Man, you know, there's a lot of people angry. All You guys know people like this. I know that you do. People just mad all the time, trying to be mad all the time. They're all the time angry. They can't not be mad to save their behind. What are you talking about my behind? Why are you bringing my behind up? I didn't bring your behind up. Take it easy. Slow down, slam dancer. Francis. You know what else we argue about? I'll tell you what else we argue about. We disagree. We argue. Money. Money. We argue about money. Money, you know, uh, money will divide some folks. It divides families. It divides friends. It doesn't have to, by the way. If you're living in the Hebrew worldview, it, it, money doesn't divide people if you're doing it right. Politics. <laughs> we disagree about politics. We flat out, straight up disagree about politics. I said in the beginning, I've said it weeks. For weeks. This is the most contentious primary season I've ever I've ever experienced in my life. You know what I'm saying? It is. It, look, you know, we talked about disconnecting from social media, and several of my friends have disconnected from social media. Well, here's the reason why. They've disconnected from social media because it's so contentious that they just can't even – look, I, I can't live like this. Well, how do we go about this disagreement? How does it how does it manifest? How does this disagreement manifest? Well, bickering, a whole lot of bickering, a whole lot of uh, backbiting. But Steve has it right. Anger can become very addictive. It's just like a drug. You know, there there are people that that are they're mad all the time. They cannot not be mad. They just can't not be mad. They're addicted to it. So they bicker and they backbite. And I'll tell you what else they do. They're like babies. And within churches, they're spiritual babies. You see it happen and you think, man, are you a grown-up? You know what I'm saying? You look at people, you kind of shake your head. Spiritual babies, 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 bickering and backbiting. You know, he talked about in the in the scripture. He talked about in that passage, First Corinthians six. Believers going to courts, good lands, folks. What is the deal with all this time spent going to court? And Christians fighting over stupid stuff. You see some of these lawsuits, and it's just downright embarrassing. We're submitting to worldly and ungodly judges to decide what we already know. We should already know these things. Sometimes we do. We just don't like the answer. We don't seem to remember the mandate from Scripture and from Hebrew culture. Look, we don't haul each other into court or try each other. i tell you what, court of public opinion. That court of public opinion, folks. Another name for court of public opinion nowadays is, is social media. Every five minutes we try each other 
We haul each other into the court of public opinion, otherwise known as social media, every five minutes over everything. We harm each other over personal matters and in business and community matters such that we end up in court. Well, look, if you're going to be on social media, behave appropriately. Be honest about it. If you don't know, you don't know. Say, well, I don't know. You know, uh, there's certain politicians out there right now that say, look, I'm not going to say this, and then they say that thing. You know, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's out there. You know, well, then you just said it, but you're, you're protecting yourself with stupid stuff. Look, Scripture is timeless. Does this apply to our lives today? Yes. In fact, it's totally relevant to today. That Scripture is totally and completely relevant. We live these principles every single day. Well, I shouldn't say we live these principles every single day. We should live these principles every single day, but we don't. We either live the principles or we disobey them. It's like I said, my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, it's either for you or it's about you. How do we handle Christian conflict anyway? I think first you have to think about it. Start, the scripture starts off, dare any of you to go to law, go to the, you know, the law before the unjust. I look at this and I just think to myself, I need to think about the testimony that this is going to show to others. I look at it and I think to myself, man, how in the world are we going to mess up our testimony? Look, other people that that aren't people of faith that they're on the uh, they're they're on the they're they're on the edge, you know, of it. They're looking at it. They're taking a look at some Christians. Well, how is their life? How is their life? How do they live? Look, why do I want to be a Christian if Christians can't even get along with each other? The very thing that's supposed to bind them together is Christ. They're fellow Christians, fellow laborers, co-laborers, supposed to work until he comes. We just can't even get along. They look at us and they think you must be out of your mind. Why in the world would I want to be part of you? Think of, let me let me say this, and I, and I mean this. I'm not always one of those people that preaches the, you know, you have to think about your loss of blessing because it isn't about that all the time. But you do need to think about it. Think of the loss of blessing when Christians are in conflict, while we're fighting and backbiting and perpetual disagreement, professional anger, the entitlement of anger, as my my buddy Jerry says. The world looks at us and says, why would I want to be a part of that? the crippling of all of our soul-winning efforts when Christians, instead of using their energies to be a witness to other people, to bless other people, to shine the light of Christ, we're crippling our energies and our soul-winning efforts when we use our energies in conflict, when we're constantly in conflict. We spend all of our time, all of our energy, and all of our passion fighting each other. We miss the opportunity, or even, I'll tell you the truth, even the intent to be the beacon, to be the beacon to what is supposed to be, the dark lost world. They're supposed to be the dark lost world in comparison to us, the saved, the supposed light with a capital L. But guess what? Not so much that way anymore. There's just simply not that much of a difference. 
just not that much of a difference. Look, we shouldn't uh, expect the world to like us. Don't, don't get it twisted. I, I'm not lobbying for the world to like me. And I'm certainly not lobbying for the world to approve of me. But you know what? We shouldn't yield to their evil desires. We shouldn't yield to their odd and weird and ungodly policies. We should stand up unwavering and decide, revolve and stand, resolve and stand for Christ. They want to call you names. They want to call you a bigot, call you a racist, call you a hater, call you small-minded, whatever. I've been called worse things. You know, when you're thinking about hiding and, and kind of curling back, recoiling, so you don't offend anybody, you better remember we're accountable for, for every effort. Here on earth, every effort, every, every effort or lack thereof, every moment you invest or you waste, we're accountable for every second of our lives, how we invest it or how we waste it. How many worthless, wasteful, and harmful moments do we manufacture in our lives here on earth among the lost? We'll be held to account for that lost time. We'll be held to account for that lost effectiveness in being a positive testimony to the lost. We're busy arguing. We're busy fighting. We're busy doing all these things. Look, the Bible's not silent about that either. Second uh, Samuel 12, 1 through 14. Remember, and I'm going to read this in, in uh, the complete Jewish Bible. The word to David after his sin, you have given cause to the enemies of God to rejoice. Adonai sent Natan to David. He came and said to him, In a certain city there were two men, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had vast flocks and herds, and the poor man had nothing, except for one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and reared. It had grown up with him and his children, and he, it ate from his plate, drank from his cup, laid on his chest. It was like a daughter to him. One day a traveler visited the rich man, and instead of picking an animal from his own flock or herd to cook for his visitor, he took the poor man's lamb and cooked it for the man who had come to him. David exploded with anger against the man and said to Natan, As Adonai lives, the man who did this deserves to die. For doing such a thing, he has to pay back four times the value of the lamb, and also because he had no pity. Natan said to David, You are the man. Here's what Adonai, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I rescued you from the power of Shaul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives to embrace. I gave you the house of Israel and the house of Yehuda, and if there had been too little, I would have added to you a lot more. So why have you shown such contempt for the word of Adonai and done what I see as evil? You murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword and taken his wife with your own wife, as your own wife. You put him to death with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword will never leave your house, because you have shown contempt for me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your own wife. Here's what Adonai says. I will generate evil against you out of your own household. I will take your wives before your very eyes and give them to your neighbor. He will go to bed with your wives, and everyone will know about it, for you did it secretly. But I will do this before all Israel in broad daylight. David said to Natan, I have sinned against Adonai. Natan said to David, Adonai also has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because by this act you have so greatly blasphemed Adonai, the child born to you must die. Then Natan returned to his house. Man, 
Look, we're going to be judged. Uh, but the saints are going to judge the world. Daniel 7.22, Matthew 19.28, until the ancient one came, judgment was given in favor of the holy ones of the Most High, and the time came for the holy ones to take over the kingdom. Yeshua says to them, yes, I, I tell you that in the regenerated world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. And the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, you are unworthy to judge the smallest matters. What? Says in here, know ye not that we're, we shall judge angels? Look, presumably evil ones. This is going to be us, folks, and yet we're fighting with each other, and then we want to run to the lawyer or the judge. Remember what it says, would you rather not take wrong? Would you rather not just be, just be cheated then? Sometimes that's the best way. Remember I said, sometimes it's better to be happy than right. Sometimes that's the case. Jesus did it. 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24, when he was insulted, he didn't retaliate with insults. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he handed them over who judges, over to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the stake so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. He says, why do you, why do you not rather allow yourselves to be defrauded, defrauded or deprived? Why not? What are you going to, what are you going to, come on, what are you going to miss out on? Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I run into this sometimes, and I, I'd like to think I'm a fairly generous person, but I have to work on that. But I'll tell you sometimes, look, if you want to steal from me, you're going to come onto my property and steal, you're going to take something from me, you're going to pay for it. If I catch you, you're going to pay for it. There's consequences for what we do. I steal, I have consequences. You steal from me, you're going to have consequences. There's consequences in everything we do. Every wrong thing we do, every good thing we do, there's consequences. We don't get out of that because we have grace shown to us. Now, I'm not saying, uh, this doesn't mean just give away what you're to provide for your family and your community with. No. I'd say there, was a, there's, there would be a lot less lack out there. I'm telling you right now, there'd be a lot less lack out there if the churches were doing their jobs the government would be irrelevant. Amen? If the churches were doing their jobs, the government would be irrelevant. They wouldn't matter. This is not a call toward communism. This isn't a call toward, you know, toward, uh, well, you know what, uh, that's why I have insurance. Just let them take that. It's not that at all. It's talking about somebody in your community. They're hungry. This is your food. You could split your food. Your, maybe your beef ribs. You give them, you know, I know I could do with a few fewer beef ribs. I'm just saying. Let's be honest. This is not a call toward communism. It's a call toward weighing the outcome and impact of a tug of war with what be something you should let go of. Look, something you're fighting to hold on to, maybe you should be letting go of it. Maybe you shouldn't be hanging on to it anyway. No. The secret's in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let your attitude toward one another be governed by your being in union with the Messiah, Yeshua. Look, man, if we're, if we're not close to God, if, we don't, if we're not drawing close to God in every little thing we do, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We all have stuff we're struggling with. That's reality, folks. But we work with each other. 
we help each other. We let our attitude toward one another be governed by our being in union with the Messiah Yeshua. And you know what? If we're always angry, if we are the professionally and perpetually aggrieved, you better check your relationship with God. Verse 6 here says, though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God, something to be possessed by force. On the contrary, he emptied himself in that he took the form of a slave by becoming like human beings are. And when he appeared as a human being, he humbled himself still more by becoming obedient even to death. Death on a stake as a criminal. That's Christ going to the cross. He didn't have to go. He had no need to go there. His love for us, his obedience to the Father compelled him. He wasn't forced to it. He wasn't forced to do it. Therefore God raised him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that in honor of the name given Yeshua every knee will bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai, to the glory of God the Father. Let me say this. That's Philippians 2, 5-11, through 11, the complete Jewish Bible. Jerry just said this in chat. Listen, chat is fun. You ought to go there and check it out. We are eternal whether we believe in God or not. And I'll tell you the truth, this scripture says it very, very clearly. At some point or another, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every single one, bar none. You see a lot of uh, blustery, very, very blustery... um, well, I, I want to say atheist, but I don't really want to say atheist because I don't, I don't believe there are as many atheists as, as even atheists believe. I really don't. Honestly, I, I, just, I just don't believe it. Every knee is going to bow. Every single one. There's, there's not going to be a single one that doesn't bow. Not a single one. They're all going to confess his name. They're all going to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. But not Savior. Could have been the Savior, because you know that's the thing. Everybody thinks there's going to be some there's going to be some mulligan given at the end. Well, you know, you were part of an underserved community. You didn't have good schools. You had to you had to go to school in a trailer, so a temporary classroom. Well, you had to have government lunch. You had to have a lot of anger. You were grown. You grew up in you know such and such a place, and you know this color skin. There's no. There's there's look. You grew up really smart, too smart for God and the Bible. So we're going to give you a mulligan on this. So just come on, you'll be good. No. We're all eternal, whether we believe it or not, whether we believe in God or not, whether we confess him here on earth or not, we're going to be eternal. We're just either going to be eternal in God's paradise or in eternal damnation. Well, that's that's some harsh stuff, isn't it? People say to me, well, my God, well, it's, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We do not recreate, recreate ourselves 
as God. We don't recreate God in our own image. We just don't do that. So so we have these arguments with each other, and we, 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 we just can't seem to work it out where we do the right thing, where we get along with each other. You know what you do? You hit the eject button. You say, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm sorry that our discussion devolved into this. I'm sorry the relationship worked out this way. I would have liked for it to have been another way. But you know what? Sometimes it's not that way. Atheist, Steve is absolutely right. In uh, Most atheists are actually anti-atheists. It's not that they don't believe in God. They hate God. Atheist is against God. It's not atheist. It's atheist. I'm against God. I'm at enmity with God. They you know, the very name acknowledges God, but it says, you know, I, I hate you. I'm mad at you. It's not going to work out well for them. But you know, if I lived a better, more Christ-like life, maybe they would see Christ in me, and maybe they'd say they'd see their folly. We just, we, you just have to learn to say, you know what? Don't let it get so fiery in the first place. You know, if they start slinging names and calling you stupid names, or maybe you you support a particular candidate, they support another one, and they start slinging names at you, don't don't throw that back at them. Just politely disconnect. Just politely disconnect. Say, you know what, I'm I'm not going to go that way. Don't take a dig at them on the way out. You know, I'm not going to be stupid like you. I'm not going to be ignorant like you. Elegantly disengage. That's the way to do it. I'm sorry. You you just simply have to disengage. Now, when you disagree with other Christians, look, there's the thing we have to remember. We have to remember, what what did I say? I spent a lot of time talking about this. Our testimony, our witness. We've got to remember, hey, we're... We're co-laborers for Christ. We've got the kingdom. We we have got to. We're going to spend eternity together if we're both actually covered by the blood. If if that's the case, we're going to spend eternity together. We've we've got to find a way to honor God while we're here. Yes, we're going to disagree. Honoring God doesn't happen when we agree on everything. Honoring God happens when we disagree, yet we're still an excellent testimony. Somebody says... Somebody that, that hasn't placed their faith in Christ, they say, man, I'll tell you what, I, I don't know what it is those Christians have, but I'll tell you right now. They disagree, but yet they're still friends. Look, I have a friend of mine, a very talented person, who uh, is very, very liberal, ideologically very liberal, politically very liberal, uh, but you can't not like this person. This person is just a wonderful human being, wonderful human being. So what we've done is we've said, hey, let's not discuss politics. You say, well, that's quitting. You're bailing. You're, you know, you're you're not representing. Look, we scatter the seeds, folks. The scripture says we scatter the seeds. God takes care of the, of of all that other stuff. We scatter the seeds, metaphorically, as it relates to telling them about Christ, telling them the truth, whatever. If they if they want to reject it, they reject it. You can't make them. You say, but the stakes are so high. I hate to tell you, it's not going to convince them. You you yell a little bit louder. Stop, or I'll yell stop louder. That's not the way it works. It doesn't. It's not. It's not healthy. All you'll do is get frustrated. Somebody asked me one time that comes to my kehala uh, said, you know, why? You know, how can you stand it when these people they don't understand, they don't see the truth. 
How do you not argue with them? How do you not get angry with them? <laughs> I have to say, I, you know, I did early on. I did early on. Nothing good comes from it. You're not going to convince them. Once you get angry, nothing good's going to come from it. So you just be calm. Take some deep breaths. I talked about it last week, I think it was, on Monday. I re-recorded the uh, Sunday message from last week, uh, better sound quality. Re-recorded that. So listen to that. You, you, I think you'll be blessed by it. Deep breaths. You've got to breathe. When you read Scripture and when you pray, you've got to breathe. We're nephesh. We're the being that prays. can't pray unless you breathe. You gotta breathe. Take your time. Nice deep breaths. So when you're in that discussion, take some breaths. Take some nice deep breaths. Don't go, <sighs> you know, none of that. Don't be demonstrative. Be calm. Be cool. Nothing better than knowing that you you have the confidence of knowing that you're right and the other person is wrong, and that's not going to change. It's not going to change. Look, I want you to have a good life. I want, I want, uh, look, you'll never get an agreement out of me that says, hey, I want you to have a good life so much that I'm going to take from my family and from my dear friends, and I'm going to take from you, I'm going to steal from you, but you worked hard for it, to give it to somebody that's not willing to work, it's not willing, not that you're not capable, you're just not willing. You're lazy. You just want to be lazy. You just want to be you don't want to work? I'm not giving you. I'm not giving you money. I don't feel like working either, but you know what? You got to work. You got to work. That's how it works. But I'll help you where I can. Hey, there's an issue, there's a big issue, um and it comes down to messed up thinking and there there's some stuff going on in the state of Delaware. Uh, Delaware is the first state. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, first state to ratify the Constitution, December 7, 1787. And I have to say, whoo, crazy bill. It's already passed the House. Supposed to go into effect in July of 2016, this year, this July. House Bill 325. What they want to do is they want to modify the waiting period for guns. So how it works is in the state of Delaware, you go there to the gun shop and you say, here's my ID. Uh, you know, I'd like to purchase a gun because the Second Amendment is a real thing. And so they, you carefully fill out your your little application deal. It's got to be done perfectly or they'll get fined. If you make a mistake, they get fined. So you fill it out perfectly, and then they call the numbers that they set up and to do a background check on you, uh, you know, to do a state and federal one. So the feds, they call the feds. The feds, uh, my my experience has always been it's really fast. It's always within a couple of minutes. I've never had a case where it was like, well, we're not so sure. You know, they check your check you and see if it's a it's a yes, it's a no, or it's a delayed. Maybe there's something that's delayed. Maybe the system is down, whatever the case may be. But it's a yes. In that case, you get your gun if you pay for it. If it's a no, it's a no. Never going to be a yes if it's a no. You're never going to get a gun if it's no. If you steal a gun, you can get a gun. But if it's no at the 
at the gun shop, it's going to be a no. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. If it's a no, it's a no. You don't get a gun. It's just reality. There's no, you know, white van driving around the hood dropping off piles of guns. I wish I could find that. Barack Obama said that. But let me tell you why it's so important. It's so important because now they're using the delay. Well, it's been delayed. They're using the delay to uh, – they figured out, hey, uh, a, a right delayed is a right denied. So they know now. They can say, oh, well, we're just so busy. We're just so – oh, we don't have the manpower. We need more money. More money, more time. Isn't that always the answer to liberal ideology, the failings, the massive failings of liberal uh, – anywhere in the world? It's we need more money. We need more time. Here's a newsflash for you. They never have enough money. They never have enough time. So give up on that. But in his commonplace book, it was written in 1776, Thomas Jefferson cited the words of Cesar Beccaria from his seminal work on crimes and punishment. That was written in 1764. Here's the quote of of Cesar Beccaria. Laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides. For an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. Do you get that? Did you catch that? Laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Look, if you are a a good person, you go to buy a gun, you just go, you just, you you know, you got your driver's license, you go there, they've got all, listen, they've got all the information on you. Trust me when I tell you. Now, what they're saying is, is in Delaware, uh, there's, there's several senators here, very liberal, it's a very liberal state, super blue. Uh, And they say, well, we don't want the mentally ill to get a gun. This is what we're trying to stop. We don't want crazy people to get a gun. Well, I don't want crazy people to get a gun either. Guess what? If you're if you're ever put in a uh if you're ever put in an insane asylum or you're locked up and you have a felony on you or or stalking or any uh domestic violence or anything like that, guess what? You're not going to get a gun. You you're just not going to get a gun. That is reality. You're not. It doesn't work that way. You know it and I know it. But the problem is they are using, libs are using anti-gun. Make no mistake about it. They're not pro-safety and security. They are anti-gun. They hate guns. Ideologically, they hate guns. They just do. My buddy Steve, who would know, he's a EMT and fireman, over 50% of mental illness is undiagnosed. So what do you do? You just take half of the society and you say, you know what, you can't have a gun because we know one out of two is going to be 
undiagnosed mental illness, newsflash. How do you identify them? The government is pushing through their doctors and, and all of that, all these psychotropic drugs. You've got people so doped up. Look at all the last major shootings that weren't Muslim in, Orient, or, you know, in origin. People doped up on drugs, people with, with, you know, just chunking down psychotropic drugs. That's reality. That's reality. We know that's reality. We know that's reality, folks. You know it. I know it. But here's the thing in the meantime. So we have these laws, laws that forbid the carrying of arms. In other words, concealed carry or just carrying a gun in general. Disarm only those. Look, you go to gun training, and these are people not inclined or determined to commit any sort of crime. Look, they're like, hey, man, I'm a good person. I just want to protect my family. The assailants, they don't work that way. This, this, this bill is designed to keep uh, House Bill 325, designed to keep guns out of the hands of bad people. Well, newsflash, bad people don't go to gun shops. It's not how it happens. Well, the, 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 the uh, Sandy Hook shooting, uh, it, those were legally purchased guns. But you know what he had to do in order to get the guns? Guess what he had to do? He had to kill his mother. He had to murder his mother break into the gun cabinet, steal them, and then commit 40 other crimes before he ever got to the school and pulled the trigger one, one more time. We've got to do something. We've got to stop this gun violence. The gun doesn't do any violence. It has no mind of its own. It is, in fact, an inanimate object. It is an inanimate object. It's the mind and the heart and the intent. The only thing stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Or a good girl. Lots of female concealed carry holders that stop crimes. Unarmed men. Look, no no gun. You got Target now. It's, it's so ironic to me that Target says, well, you can't go in the bathroom and say, hey, you're a dude, you're not, you don't belong in here. Or in the men's bathroom, hey, you're a girl, you don't belong in here. Anybody goes whatever one, whatever one they're feeling like. This is just ludicrous to start with. Let me just say that. We're, we're having... We're having these discussions, and it's I'm I'm flummoxed. I'm I'm apoplectic over because I just can't understand why this is an argument. Yet they won't allow these people into whatever sex you feel like. You don't even have to pretend to be a woman. You just go in. It says I can go in, so I'm going in. What kind of weird person does that? That wants that. What kind of weird person does that? It's just, that's nuts. I don't trust somebody like that. I certainly don't trust that person with a gun. There, You want to you go figure out who's crazy, who's not? Who's going into the, into the restroom that doesn't belong? In the wrong restroom? 
Start taking their guns away. Because I'll tell you right now, we don't for any, not any second. Look, you just need to understand something. This This is very, very important. A student was gunned down during a robbery near a gun-free campus in New Jersey. This just happened. A Tau Kappa Epsilon fraternity brother at his New Jersey Institute of Technology was shot and killed in what uh, in his frat house by armed robbers who followed him home from the store. Pregnant woman and boyfriend hold armed home intruder uh, at gunpoint. They had a gun. They stopped it. They protected themselves. Look, man, I, I'm I'm going to just tell you this. It's it's uh, there's a whole lot of bad people out there. They're not going to stop. No law is going to stop them. They don't care about your laws. They're not moved by your laws. They're not moved by your laws. They're not. Roman bathhouses. Absolutely right, Steve. Absolutely right. Look, man, I'm just telling you this right now. Um, You start allowing the government to decide who gets a gun, who doesn't get a gun. Guess who's not going to get a gun? You. People say, well, you're just some kind of crazy gun nut. You just want some sort of okay corral type of business to go on. No, I don't. I don't at all want that. I don't want that. And I think, you know what? I've been in a place where there's 900 concealed carry permit holders going through a top-level training. Last weekend, we had Steve uh, Stephen Powell of Patriot Outdoors in Delaware and Maryland conducting world-class training. You had lots and lots of people. They're safest place to be. Safest place to be. Absolutely the safest place to be. These are people who've gone through the training. These are people, they just flat out, they just flat out care about freedom and liberty and safety and security of, of themselves and their family and their property. Good people. Oddly enough, most of them are conservative. I don't know why that is. I don't know how that correlates, but it does. They want to take the guns away from them. Those people don't go by don't don't go to gun shops and buy it illegally. They're gonna be a they're gonna be a yes and they're gonna get their gun. They're not gonna be a no, in which they don't get their gun, and they're not gonna be a well, let's just see. Let me tell you how this law is gonna work. It's HB three twenty five. They're gonna say, you know what, we don't have enough money. We do not have enough money to hire the people we need to hire to do all these background checks. So you know what? It's going to take a couple of years. We've got a backlog. My goodness, such a backlog. So you just can't get a gun. Sorry. They're They're going to achieve gun control or confiscation, removal of guns through waiting. They'll do anything they can. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. You know, I'm engaging um, – in fact, I just got a response from one of the senators – engaging one of the senators uh, in my district to say, where, how, are you, how are you voting on this? 
How are you voting on it? You know, I asked another person, uh, another senator, how she was going to vote on it, and she got all righteously indignant. She was really mad. She was not a happy camper. She's one of the sponsors of the bill, co-sponsor of the bill. Didn't want to answer the question. I just don't want people that shouldn't have guns to have guns. I don't think that's right. Sane people, that's what they want. There's only one problem with that. It's always the anti-gun people that want to be the ones that control that. That's a fact. How do you feel about that? Look, say, well, you what if you already have guns? What about your what about uh, your friend, your neighbor, that's a, that's a conservative. And they, you know, they've learned from you about guns, and now they want to go buy a gun. Guess what they can't do? Can't buy a gun. Because it starts with this, and then what happens next? Well, uh, there's been an allegation that you committed a crime. So we're going to come take your guns under this law, some obscure little part of this law. We're going to come take your guns. Just as a security measure, we've got to protect the people. Uh, they, we, you know, we've got to protect them. It's for the kids. It's always for the kids, right? So we're going to have to come to your house, and we're going to have to take your guns until we sort all this out. But because we don't have enough money, we don't have enough time. It's going to take us years. And uh, sorry, but by that time, if we ever do decide to give your guns back, guess what? They'll be useless, or they'll be lost. You get what I'm saying here, folks? You say, well, what in the world does this have to do? This is incongruent. You started off telling us about Christians need to get along with Christians and be a good witness. There's no reason why you can't fight an evil government by being decent to one another. You know what's going to happen is this this contentious primary season is going to be over, and then what's going to happen? All those severed relationships, those are votes. All those Christians, again, are fractured. Staying apart, writing in some goofy name. It's not even reality. Voting for somebody doesn't have a chance at all. And you've wasted your vote. I, I get it. If we don't do it now, we won't ever do it. I have a newsflash for you. I've been to countries where everything has fallen apart. Utter chaos has ensued. And I'm telling you, it's not pretty. We can still save this republic. We can still keep this republic, but we got to be united. We have got to be united, folks. If we if we can't find a way, even as Christians, to say, hey, we disagree on the candidate, but whoever the candidate is, whoever that candidate ends up being, guess what? I'll work hard for him. And we all have to unite at that point in time behind that candidate to get them elected. Because, look, Hillary Clinton... I'm going to tell you right now, that criminal is not going to protect you. She's not going to protect you. She's not going to protect this country. She's not going to protect any of our freedoms. She's going to do as she has done. And she's going to strip them away. And then you're going to be helpless. Do you want her in office? Do you have any idea how absolutely evil that woman is? 
and all those that are lined up behind and beside her to, that that make her look conservative by comparison. We lose this one. We lose everything. You say, what, does every, what, what is everything? What is it you're talking about? The everything that we're going to lose. What is the everything that we're going to lose? You're going to lose your freedom. You're going to lose your ability. Listen, liberalism has never worked anywhere. Not a single place in the world. No place. You know it and I know it. If you're a student of history, you know that nowhere in the world, gun control, nowhere in the world has it ever worked. Liberalism, socialism, communism, nowhere in the world has it ever worked. You say, well, they just haven't tried it hard enough. Yeah, really? Tell that to Venezuela. Tell that to Greece. We could name countless places. We find ourselves in very, very perilous times. I, uh, I, use, I, use, I say frequently in my speeches, these are barefoot in the snow times. These are barefoot in the snow days. I say it because it's true. I don't say it to elicit sympathy or you know, more book sales or whatever. I don't say it because of that. I say it because it's true. You all have heard the saying, you know, you're either for me or you're against me. Christians, you are either a servant of God or you're at enmity with God. You can't be ambivalent. Fence-sitters need not apply. So then what happens? How do we come together? How do we agree on some things? How do we protect the freedoms? The Second Amendment is is in, in my opinion, the most important of all the amendments. How do we do it? How do we agree? How do we find, tell that to any German over the age of, thank you very much, over the age of 70. So many problems go away when the people truly unite. United we will be represented, not led. You know, why does the government do this? How can they do it? People ask me that all the time. I'll tell you how. They can do it because we don't stand together. Lavoy Finicum was murdered by the government because there weren't a thousand patriots with him. And that is a fact. So many terrible things have happened in society simply and only because we were divided. Six million Jews were murdered and many more millions, gays thought to be gay, crippled, because they didn't unite in a common cause. Oh, the Nazis were united. The sympathetic Germans were united, but the Jews weren't united. They couldn't believe it. It was such utter disbelief. No. They're not going to do that. They said they're, they said they're here to help us. No, come on, silly. Come on, people. They're not here to harm us. 
They just want the books. Let's just give them the books. That'll shut them up. It'll be fine. Come on, don't make waves. And everything else followed, including their freedom and including their lives. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Stand strong. Deal with deal with each other fairly and honestly. Be a trustworthy person. Be a trustworthy person in general population, but especially in your own communities among believers. I remember there was a, a church. They don't do this so much anymore, but church had a, a – um, a directory of people who are business owners and and uh, Christian business owners, and so I remember talking to a guy, and and he had this in his his place of business, and and uh, I said, hey, you, uh, wow, you really, um, you you really go out of your way to patronize Christian businesses, and this guy's a Christian. He said, oh no, I have that to tell me who not to go to. Not all Christian businesses are like that. I know lots of Christian businesses that are very honest. The fact of the matter is, if you're a business person, if you have dealings, whatever you do in your life, do it fairly. Do it, do it righteously. Do it reasonably. Do it, do it fair. Be fair. It's our last chance, folks. It's our last chance. And you know what? We lose this time. It's all over. I used to say it's over for my grandkids, but I'm wrong about that. I can admit when I'm wrong. I frequently say I'm sorry and I was wrong. I have to say I'm sorry and I'm wrong now because you know what? It's no longer about our grandkids. It's about us. It's going to be lost on our watch. Oh, man. I don't want that on my conscience. Hey, you guys, don't forget Mother's Day. This coming Sunday. Those whose mothers have passed, you know how precious Mother's Day is. Those whose mothers are still alive, still with us, love on your moms. Spoil them. It's a hard job. This Sunday, thank you all so much for listening. What a pleasure it's been to spend this time with you today. I hope you think the same if if you do. Go to the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. Go to the blog post that talks about today's show. Leave a comment or two. Tell your friends. That's how this thing grows. I sure do appreciate it. God bless you and God bless America. Join us next time for the collision of faith and politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor. And on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And at www.drshawngreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.